We are deep into the book of Nehemiah and uh, thankful for the Lord's touch upon his word and uh, all that he has for us through his word, and uh, thank you, Jesus. Um, I, heard of the, I heard of the young boy who called the pastor of a, over here, uh, we have some more hands over this way. I heard of the man who, uh, young boy who called the pastor of the local corner church to ask the pastor to come by and pray for his mother who's been very ill with the flu. The pastor knew the family and was aware that they attended a different church. So the pastor said when, the, when, uh, when he um, came to the house, shouldn't you be asking your own pastor to come and pray for your mother? And the young boy said, well, yes, but we didn't want to take the chance that our pastor would catch whatever it is that mom has and thought we could <laughs> make sure that it was okay for you. Praise God. <clears throat> Some of you remember Ken Gobb. He was here not long. Anyone else needing an outline? Okay. He said he called me last week, and he said he had been to fly to, um, he was flying to, to the East Coast somewhere to preach, and he said, the TSA agent said, have you, have you tested positive for COVID lately? He said, I tested positive just this morning. And the agent, you know, got on the radio right away, and several people came running, and he said, and so they want to know exactly what it was that he was talking about. He says, well, I read the Bible this morning, and the Bible says I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus, and so I'm testing positive every, in every way, in every, in every kind of way, and I'm testing positive. Well, the, the, the riot stopped, and he was, they, they let him go through, well, praise God. How many of you missed the days when we were terrified of romaine lettuce? <laughs> what a different day we live in now, huh? Praise God. We're into chapter 3 of uh, Nehemiah. We pick up where we left off. And uh, it's the story of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. This story is given to us for historical reasons, but also to inspire us about the battles we face. Now, the ten gates, ten, ten gates of that great city, all of them laid in ruins. Now, you know, the, when, when the city gates are not watched over and they're in decay, any kind of predator, any kind of person, any kind of force from outside can come in and take over easily and just walk right in. It's like you leaving your door at home open tonight. You wouldn't do that, would you? And uh, so this, this passage of Scripture highlights the rebuilding campaign as one of the greatest building projects in Israel's history. So when times of adjustment or uncertainty come our way, we need to know what God will do. We need to know what God will do. And we need to know what we should do. Not only what God will do, but what is our part. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 20, I answered them by saying, the God in, of heaven will give us success. You see, they knew that God was going to do something great. They knew that he was going to help rebuild and God's hand was upon the work that they were endeavoring to do, and he was going to bless the people of God. And I just want to remind you the secret of your success, personal, in your family, in our corporate family, is the hand of God, the hand of God resting upon us. If there's, if there's anything we need now, it's the hand of God to rest upon us. 
And uh, if you study the life of David, uh, you study the life of Samuel, you see that the hand of God was upon them, and it says it repeatedly in the word, the hand of the Lord was upon them. And we want that, and we covet that, and uh, welcome the Holy Spirit. Tonight, I want to note several key elements to the building project and what God did to help Nehemiah. First of all, would you note with me the pattern, the pattern. In Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 1, now by the way, this passage contains many names that are difficult, and so if you want to protest the pronunciation of the proclamation of any of these names and you have trouble with my efforts, um, send me an email and uh, note, note what you would have called uh, the individual, okay? I'm just having fun with you. You're way too, way too tight so far. But anyway, Elishab, the high priest, and the fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Haniel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachar, the son of Imri, built next to them. The work was organized and directed with the spiritual leaders taking the lead and the people helping. Notice the sequence. God was working, the spiritual leaders were involved, and the people, and the people were helping. That's how things happen, people working together. Each person had to be involved. I like that. No man can do anything, but every person could do something. Interesting scriptures. There were 42 groups of people working together. So let's not only study the pattern, but let's think about the people. In chapter 3, verse 3, the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of, oh, I surrender. Uh, <laughs> Meshazebel made repairs. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Bana, also made repairs. And the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, because, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jesaniah gate was repaired by Jodiah, son of Pashanah, and Masul. Do you understand what I was saying now in there? <clears throat> and they laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Let us note for a second the variety of workers. Priests were involved, verse 1. Verse 12 through 19 talks about the rulers that were involved. Verse 12 tells us about the women who were involved. Hallelujah. And in verse 8 and verse 32 talks about the craftsmen that were involved. Some of the advanced work was being done at home, and they would bring it in pieces to do the construction. But verse 5 tells us that curious word, some refused to work. Can you imagine the personal loss that people would experience by not being involved? The great blessing of being a part of something that God is doing and contributing whatever part you can do is a glorious thing that we're laborers together with God. But when people say, it's not for me, I'm not going to be involved. I don't do that kind of thing. I'm not going to get these painted nails. You know what, I'm just teasing. I don't really paint my nails. But, <laughs> but sometimes people say, 
that they've got reasons, good reasons, why they're not going to be involved. I remember Bonnie and I were pioneering a church in Virginia, and we had construction. We had no equity. We couldn't, we couldn't, <clears throat> we couldn't borrow money. So we built by faith, and the men uh, of the church gave their time as they could, and they'd come in the afternoons after work, and, and uh, I was working a, another job full-time, and I, I got to the church site in the afternoon, and Jennifer, our five-year-old daughter, and Bonnie, and, and was taking care of Brent, our little boy, and, and Jenny wanted to help. She was five, and she brought a shovel, and she brought some plastic stuff, and she was helping us dig the footers. And uh, it's been on my mind... Um, that the church of God goes forward through lots of participation, even children helping accrue blessings into their life because of their partnership. Amen. The partnership of God's people. But notice, thirdly, the places. Each of the gates were repaired, and I want to take the next few moments now and discuss those ten gates. Each of them are extremely significant for New Testament believers tonight. Notice the first gate was the sheep gate. The sheep gate, Nehemiah 3.1. They went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. Isn't it interesting that the sheep gate was the first gate that was repaired? It speaks of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Speaking, looking further into history, and Jesus would soon come. You remember what Jesus said in John 10.11, I am the good shepherd? The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Thank God that Jesus came and laid his life down. Verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. I just love the heart of Jesus. I must bring the others. I must gather more. We must bring all of them as that we can. And they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. To those that say, well, there's many gates, there's many roads that lead to heaven, just find one that works for you. I want to tell you that's dangerous talk. There is one sheepfold. There is one shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep. He alone has atoned for the sins of the whole world. This was the first gate. Now listen carefully. Without Jesus' sacrifice, there is no future for any of us. But because he came, praise God, we have, all of us can have a glorious future. You can tell the drug addict. You can tell the person who's bound in any kind of demonic intrusion. You can tell the one who's never met Christ. There is future for you in God because Jesus laid down his life for you. Praise God. There was a gate. This was the only gate that was sanctified, as you'll see in the word, setting apart for a special uh, uh, gate. In other words, there is no other one like Jesus. He is alone. He stands alone as the only way, the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. The sheep gate. I love the sheep gate. But notice the second one was the fish gate. Nehemiah 3.3, the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. This reminds us of our responsibility as believers in Jesus to be soul winners. 
to be about the Lord's business. Mark 1.17, Jesus said, come and follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. I think tonight that in the day in which we live, with so much pandemonium, so much chaos, there has never been a more golden moment for you and me to inspire people and point them to Jesus as the one who alone is worthy of their life and he loves people. And I don't know about you, but I sense the return of the Lord is at hand. And if you knew that the Lord was coming in 2021, you'd do something and tell everyone you knew, wouldn't we? Let's be involved in fishing for men and women. Here's the third gate. It was called the old gate. I don't know, the old gate. You know, when you're young, you think about old people and you go, you know, when you're a teenager, you think that somebody in their 40s is really, really old. And you get to 40 and you go, mmm, look at those old people, those really old people. And then you get, and then you look down at when you're in your 60s and you look back and you go, ooh, glory to God, they don't have much time, better take advantage of every... Anyway, glory to Jesus. Nehemiah 3, 6, the old gate was repaired by Jehida. And it, they laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. This old gate speaks of the old paths. If you study what scholars believe this old gate means, it would refer to the old way or the, the seasoned way, the way that has been found to be true. It is the way of the Lord. It is the way of the Word. It's the way that has been faithful to your forefathers and mine. It's the way that has let them find peace and comfort and strength, and they found a way to go, go and be with the Lord. I was, I was listening to a, a man, a friend of mine, who had been at the bedside of J. Don George, one of our great leaders, who just uh, several weeks ago died. He was telling the story about his daughter, who I believe she was in the third grade, Don George's daughter. He had two children. One of them um, was sitting in her classroom in, uh, in a school in Texas, and she just had a major um, physical event and um, had some kind of aneurysm hit her, and her head hit the table, and she began to bleed profusely from something that ruptured inside. And they took her to the hospital, and she was there for months in a coma, months in a coma. And they said, finally, there's really no need in prolonging this. And um, he was sitting next to her. Don George was sitting, this great preacher was sitting next to his daughter's bedside. Many people had been there to pray for her. Great, great healing evangelists, men and, and women anointed of God. And there'd been no change. And one day that uh, they were sitting there, and she was in a coma, and she fluttered her eyes and began to speak and said, Daddy, take me home. I want to go home now. And everyone was stunned. They took their little girl home, and, and um, they fed her and so forth, and everything seemed to be normal. For, for a couple of days, she, she just wanted to sing. She just wanted to sing praises to the Lord. And so they sang together, and um, she told them how much she loved them, and just laid her head back and passed away. 
And you know the faith that even youngsters can have in Jesus is an old path, but it's a path that leads home. Kenneth Hagin Sr. was a close friend of the family, and they asked him, well, what does this mean? I mean, what, why didn't God, you know, what, this is strange, you know. He said, well, this is one of those areas where the secret things belong to God you'll never know, and you don't, it's above your pay grade to figure it out. Just, just thank God that she's home. I just want to say to you tonight, so many are looking for new ways, new teaching, new... But this book, you take this book and hide it in your heart. You take what God says in his word. It'll lead you home. When I, you know, I don't want to trust in something that doesn't work and then find out at the end of the line that I'm at the wrong place. What do you do then? And if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ in a personal way, I want to tell you, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but that road leads to death, the Bible said. Following Jesus is the road to life. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. In Acts 17, verse 21, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. They were focusing on something, you know, sometimes the truth, the simple truth of God's word is boring to people. They go, ah, oh, give me something new. Give me something that works, you know. How many of you remember a party line at your house? The phone lines, some of you do. If you're, if you're a young person, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. I'll try and explain it for a minute. You pick up the phone and you'd hear your neighbors talking. You didn't know who they were, but you made a guess. And if you wanted to, you listened for just a few minutes to find out what was going on down the street until your mother found out, and then you had, put that phone down. It's a party line. And then there was the rotating dial. You know, you don't remember that either. Everyone uncomfortable with old ideas. You've got to have the newest phone. If you don't have a, an Apple 12 or whatever they're called, if you don't have one of those, then you just... You're just nobody. <laughs> Give me a flip phone. It's okay with me. All right, we're down to the valley gate. The valley gate. Nehemiah 3.13. And the valley gate was repaired by Hanan and the residents of Zoet. They rebuilt it, put its doors with its bolts and bars in place. They also repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Now this reminds us, this valley gate of the importance of staying humble before the Lord. I wonder if there's ever a time you go, ah, I'm not interested in the word. I really wanna know what the news is talking about. I wanna know what the governor has said yesterday. I wanna spend time figuring out what people are saying. Are you serious? Philippians chapter two, verse five. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus did, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And Paul tells us this is what we're to be thinking like. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Stay teachable, stay humble before the Lord. Now let's get to this next one, the dung gate. Curious, why is it named the dung gate? In history, Nehemiah 3.14, the dung gate was rebuilt and they, put, they rebuilt it and put its doors and its bolts and bars in the place. This is the door or the gate where all the trash and the debris and the sewage of the city was collected. Terrible smells as you can imagine. I saw that somebody said that that lives in New York that uh, because of their budget problems and because they shut down the city and all of that, there's no trash being collected and the rats are getting big as cats there and then people are fleeing and that's not a negative thing about a cat. I just want you to understand I'm being nice to the cats tonight. Anyway. I, we have paid our dues. We've already, we're done with cats right now, Okay. Don't give me any treats for Christmas. Anyway. <laughs> this speaks, this dung gate speaks of our need of cleansing. Our need to get away, to get, remove stuff from us that needs to go. 2 Corinthians 7, 1, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Oh, the joy of living for Jesus with a pure heart and clean hands. To know that if this was your last night on this earth, you'd go to be with Jesus. That, that purification process is something we need to understand. Staying humble is a reminder that we also need his touch we need his daily touch. In Isaiah 1, verse 16, God speaks prophetically to his people, wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the cause of the widow. And it leads us now to what was called the fountain gate, the fountain gate. In Nehemiah 3 and 15, we see that the fountain gate was repaired and, and by the family and so forth of Shalon, the son of Kolzol, Zoka, Holka, Molka, Peppermint, Mocha. <laughs> he had repaired the, excuse me, I'm, I told you I'm going to have trouble with these names, but he also repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam by the king's garden, as far as the steps going down from the city of David. Now this is an important one because the fountain gate illustrates the need of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I want to say to you tonight that the strength and the insight and the inspiration and the stamina you and I will need in these days will not come from your own resources, but will come from wells that have been dug deep, 
where you have let the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit overtake you and fill you. There's one baptism, but there are many, many refillings. Stay filled with the presence of God. In John chapter 7, verse 37, on the, I love this passage. On the last and great day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and be drinking. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water shall flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up till this time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Notice the progression tonight. First, there's humility. Second, there's cleansing. Then the filling and the presence of the Holy Spirit will come. The Spirit of God will not come into a vessel that's filled with rubbish and debris. I hope you understand. Notice the next gate, which is the water gate. The water gate. Nehemiah 3.26, the servants, the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel made repairs up to a point opposite the water gate. It speaks of the Word of God that cleanses believers. As you read the word, the washing of the water of the word will pour over you and make you mindful. I was reading the other night about Solomon. What an incredible man he was. What a powerful insight, wisdom. People came from the world to hear, hear his insights and what he had to say. But it wasn't long that he got pride, pride moving and, and his eye was lustful and he was surrounded by all of these women and they led him away from the simple trust and devotion to the Lord. Oh, we need to let the water of the word give us warnings, refresh us. Psalm 119 verse 9, how can a young man stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Ephesians 5.26, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. I want to remind you as you look at this water gate, this gate needed no repairs. There was no repair needed. I just remind you what that, the significance of that would be in Psalm 119.89, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It is settled. It doesn't, can't be messed with. People can blow it up. People can burn them. They were burning Bibles in downtown Portland several weeks ago and just trying to mock the things of God. Let me just tell you, it's a little bit late in the game. Don't you think? The word is forever settled. You can burn every copy of the Bible in the whole world. It will still stand because God has anointed his word, the water gate. Let me hasten on the horse gate. In Nehemiah 3.28, Above the horse gate, the priest made repairs, each in front of his own house. It teaches us the importance of warfare. Instead of just saying, you know, it's a shame what's going on. I watched a cat the other day. Here I am talking about cats again. Anyway, the cat was, was out in, in, the, in this uh, section of grass, and these birds did not like that cat sitting there. And so the blue jays were coming and diving, bam, and trying to hit him in the back. And, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. I mean, really, it was a beautiful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bam. Anyway. 
warfare. We need to learn how to fight. We need to take the whole armor of God. There's many battles that you'll face in the walk of faith. There's not one of you that doesn't have a battle going somewhere tonight. I just want to, take, to remind you that Paul told the young evangelist, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, And then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering, <coughs> excuse me, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. We're soldiers. Just two more tonight. Number nine was the east gate. Nehemiah 3.29. Next to them Zadok, the son of Emer made repairs opposite his house. Next to him, Shemaniah, the son of Shechaniah, the guard at the east gate, made repairs. This gate reminds us of the soon return of Jesus, the eastern gate. I want to see him. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm expecting him. Governors raise their fist and say the church will not meet. Authorities say you cannot come out of your house. My king is coming soon and his word stands. I tell you that whatever the king of glory says is going to be the way it will be. And men and women that have risen their hand in defiance against the people of God, they will mourn when they see what they have done to the king. Matthew 24, 17, let no one on the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. You see, the prophet saw the glory of God returning to his people. Isaiah 43, verse 1, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom. Since you were precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. So do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west, the east gate. Finally, we see the mustering gate, the mustering gate. Nehemiah 3.31, next to him, Malkajah, one of the goldsmiths, one of the goldsmiths made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants opposite the inspection gate and as far as the room above the corner. I just want to remind you, this gate speaks of God's judgment. I want to tell you something. I'm, I live every day aware that judgment will fall on a people that hardened their heart. Can you imagine what that's gonna be like? To know that you missed heaven and there's no recourse, there's no second chance. 
The Hebrew word mikat means appointment, accounting, or mustering. One day, God's going to call you and me to give a full account of our life. What we have done versus what we could have done. Thank God in this chapter, in chapter 3, we see a full picture of the Christian life. From the sheep gate, salvation, to being filled with the Spirit, to going home to be with Jesus, and then giving an account, having the books opened. I think as I scan this audience tonight about people who've made significant deposits in other people, I think of deacons who sit in this assembly tonight who've served with us over the years, who stood up, held our hands high. I think of ushers who faithfully have served this congregation. I think of people who've taken care of your children. I think of the teachers that are present tonight who lovingly have given themselves to lift others and point them to the Savior. I think of the intercessors who are sitting here in the presence of God tonight, who have prayed, who have lifted the leaders of this church before God and asked him to touch his work. And I marvel at the sacrifice. I think of people who have done significant things to bring food to broken people in the world, who've gone on trips, who've made a difference, who've sacrificed. And I say, what a wonderful life. Tonight, if you had it to do over, would you do more for him? Would you regret anything that's been going on or would you just step deeper in? Nehemiah reminds me, stay close to Jesus, live for him. The day is coming when work is done and we'll be in the presence of the Lord. I don't want to go empty-handed. I want to bring everyone I can. A man who's a friend of Bonnie and I He and his wife made a significant gift not long ago to help with missionary work. They said, we just, we want to make a difference in the world. I just, I just want to tell you, I'm I'm so excited by people that see the picture and say, let's do something for God. The priests the women, the men, the children, they were all involved in Nehemiah's day. Let's together, let's together find strength for the journey and do our part to make Jesus known where no one has heard of his name in our city. We'll do that tomorrow morning, feeding hundreds of people at the door tomorrow. Don't you love Jesus tonight? Aren't you thankful that you know him? If you don't know him, if you're not walking with him, I just want to tell you that you have no comprehension of how much he loves you. 
There's no way to fully calculate with a heart that doesn't understand him yet. Tonight, we want to give you opportunity. I know there's people watching tonight that are away from God. Maybe you are here in this audience and you're away from God. <clears throat> He's here. He's not pointing a big finger in your nose saying, you lousy, no good sinner. He's just saying, would you like to come home? Would you like to come home? Would you like to come close? I've got plans to bless you. I've got plans to fill you with my spirit. I've got plans to break the shackles off you. It's up to you. Anyone here tonight away from God? Just You lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want Jesus tonight. I want him to be my Savior. Those of you that are watching, you're away from him, just say, Jesus, forgive me. I believe you're the Son of God. Come into my life. I want to walk with you. Help me, Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer with us tonight, would you please drop a note? Send a note in the email box there on our People's Church website. We'll be happy to send you materials and be a blessing to you. Let's stand in the presence of the Lord tonight. Earlier in the service, I asked if we could pray with people who needed a touch in body. If the Lord, if you sense the Lord touched you when we prayed together, or if even since then, would you just raise your hand so I know that God has touched you tonight? You'd like to give Him glory? You'd like to give Him thanks for touching you? Several hands lifted. We, we rejoice together about those that have lifted their hands, and let's just thank Him. Thank you, Lord, for these who've raised their hands, indicating that you've touched them tonight in this service. We praise you and give you glory tonight. Thank you, Jesus. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy Precious. 
wonder if you would set your faith in agreement tonight with us. Pastor Bill um, Bates has spent time with Jan Olinger this afternoon at the passing of her precious husband, one of our faithful attenders here. Casey has gone home to be with the Lord. We want to remember Patsy McCauley tonight. David Lehman, a retired minister. Some of you haven't met him yet. He was told at another area church that he was too old to come to the church, that they were looking for younger people, and he found himself here with his wife, and we welcomed him. And uh, his wife was rushed to the hospital. Oh, we're remembering David's wife as well this, after, this, this, uh, this evening. Anyway, David is in the hospital, now his wife is too. We're remembering Evangeline Harris, little Nathan Brown, Michelle Wahlberg's father and brother, um, Pastor Schuyler and Letitia both need the touch of the Lord tonight. And uh, let's just pray for them right now. Father, thank you for each one. We pray for Jan tonight and these four precious young people and their grandchildren. We ask you, Lord, to comfort them, ask you to minister your peace to them in these hours. As a family, we feel their pain. We pray for Patsy tonight, ask you to lift her, strengthen her tonight, Lord Jesus. For David uh, Lehman, Pastor David Lehman and his wife, now we pray that you'd touch them both. Minister your healing hand to them. We curse disease and abnormality in Jesus' name. For Evangeline, thank you for raising her up. For little Nathan, thank you, Lord, for your healing hand. We just rebuke the plans and darkness over this young boy, and thank you, Lord, for setting him free. For Leroy and, uh, and Michelle's uh, Daddy and her brother, we ask you, Lord, to minister to them and heal and deliver them. For Pastor Schuyler and uh, Letitia, thank you, Lord, for touching them tonight. And for the others in the church that are going through difficult times, challenging hours that perhaps we are not made known of as yet, <clears throat> we just pray in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, Lord. We remember the story in the Bible when the vipers came and were biting all the people and they were, many of them were dying and Moses was given instruction to put a serpent on the pole and lift him high. And when the people would look up and see that serpent, that was a, a picture of Jesus that would be coming, they were healed from the bites. We thank you, Lord, that that same model of lifting Jesus high is our model tonight, our faith looks to you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to every need. Thank you, Lord, for setting each one free.